0: Today's episode is very proudly brought to you by InReach Co., Australia's first exclusively regional, rural and remote allied health job platform. InReach Co was created by allied health professionals for allied health professionals and is committed to connecting australian communities with the allied healthcare workers they need for a simple and interactive way to explore current regional and remote positions or for businesses wanting to explore job advertisement opportunities head to www.inreachco.com.au the links will also be in the show notes G'day guys and welcome to Holly the OT podcast. My name is Holly and I'm an occupational therapist looking to create a judgment-free zone for all OT students, new grads and early year therapists. Join me as I give my honest opinions on the highs and the lows and the ins and the outs of being an OT. Before I start today's episode, I'd like to acknowledge the Wujak Noongar people who are the traditional custodians of the land this episode was recorded. I would also like to acknowledge that I support the Uluru Statement from the Heart and a First Nations voice to Parliament. Now is the time to listen, share and advocate to and for our First Nations communities. G'day guys, welcome back to another ep of Holly the OT pod. Thank you so much for tuning in. I was doing a bit of brainstorming the other day and I was like why do I say the same thing every time? I don't do it intentionally (laughs) and I just realise it's just a habit even when I'm like like preparing an episode or thinking about what I'm going to write. I just always say that same line and I guess now it's going to stick because you listen to podcasts and they always have the same intro and I didn't intend that to be the intro but G'day guys, it is. That is how we're starting. Anyway, thanks so much for tuning in. I have got just a bit of a ramble episode today. I'm just going to chat to you guys. I've been having some thoughts. haven't done an episode where I've just chatted to you guys for a while, so I thought I would whip one out for you. But I'm going to talk to you guys today a little bit about burnout, a little bit about the things you can do to prevent the burnout. And not like the cliche things like go for a walk and turn your emails off. Some just other things. So bear with me. It's not going to be a super long episode today, unless I go off on tangents. I say that now I haven't recorded it yet. Uh, I could eat those words. I'll check back in at the end and let you know if I was right or I was wrong. But before we do that, let's do my highs and my lows. My high for the week is, and this is just, it just happened just then. So it's probably in the scheme of things, not that great, but I joined a private health fund. So obviously not with my parents' private health fund anymore now that I'm fully graduated and it's been a while. I just, I was unhealth funded for about a year. Didn't really need it, but I feel like it's an adult thing to do. Anyway, got private health and I joined in just before the end of financial year, got to get that extra tax write off. And they just sent me, I forgot that I signed up during like a promotion period and you've got to wait like the six weeks cooling off before you get the promotions. But I got a $500 gift voucher. Like I could choose where I wanted to spend it and I chose the iconic. So I just, Gone and spent $500 on the iconic of the, all those things that, like, you know, I've got a bit of a wish list on my phone. I can be a bit of an impulse vendor sometimes. I'm trying to rein that in. So I went to my wish list and I was like, I'm going to get all of these things on my wish list and not have to pay for any of them. So that's my high. And I just submitted my order. So that's probably why I'm telling you guys about it. My low for the week is it's very cold at the moment. That's a low. Kane went back to work. That's also a low. He got to come home for like three nights in the middle of his swing just to do a job in Perth and he had to go this morning. So that's also sad, Uh, but to be expected, it happens. Um, I'm also off the back of an outreach day. I did outreach yesterday. My outreach days are so long, like 12 hours and back-to-back clients like pretty much six hours of driving. It's a pretty hectic day and I absolutely love it. But the next day I'm always just like so low energy. So I'm so lucky that I'm able to work from home today and work for myself and just chill out. Just a bit of admin today, catching up on life. So it's a low, but a blessing in disguise that I've been able to chill out. But that's all I've got. Nothing else I think I wanted to talk to you guys about other than the app. So let's get into it. Alrighty, we are talking burnout today. Burnout is something that I have discussed on this pod so many times. Burnout can, you know, fester itself in so many different ways. And I feel like we've all dealt with it at some capacity and in some way. And it just makes me really, really sad. And I was burnt out pretty recently, just like not from work, but just like life. (laughs) That sounds so sad, but I, like you guys know, I'm so busy. I'm trying to do so much and it's not that that's burning me out, but I just wasn't prioritizing myself and I was just slipping into old habits and I'm better than that. So I'm back on the other side. Here I am. Like I'm living a good life. This was like a few months ago, like before we started traveling, like this is not any time like recently, but I feel like I've been in all the faces, I have been that chronically burnt out person that didn't realize I was burnt out and had everyone in my corner telling me, Holly, you are burnt out, slow down. And I've been that person that's been advocating for my friends too. So I'm going to be a little advocator today, guys. And I'm just going to share a few things that I think you guys can do to prevent burnout, sort of manage that burnout when it starts festering in. And they're not like groundbreaking. It's, you're not going to fall off your chair. Like you don't need to be sitting down to listen to this, but they're also not just like, cliche things either. So the first thing I want you guys to start doing, every single person listening to this podcast, no matter what part of your career you are in, whether you're a student, whether you're a new grad, whether you're a business owner, whoever you are, we need to stop apologizing. We need to stop apologizing. How many times, and if anyone I've worked with is listening to this, they're going to be like, Holly, practice what you preach. But how many times have you sent an email that maybe you got yesterday and you haven't replied to, and you start with, oh my God, so sorry for my delayed response or so sorry for not getting back to you sooner. Or if you said something was going to take two days and it took three days and you're like, I am so sorry. Like we're empathetic, empathetic, Not pathetic, empathetic people, us OTs. And naturally we want to do our best. And when we don't present our the idea in our mind of what the best is, then we are apologetic. Stop it. Every time you apologize, it creates this unnecessary sense of urgency around our work. Obviously, there are times where our job have has urgent things pop up. Obviously, there are times when you need to put a little little bit of a wiggle on things. But I'm talking like day-to-day things. Stop apologizing. If you run five minutes late for a session, stop apologizing. Acknowledge it, absolutely. Don't ignore it. You know, you can can indirectly apologize, but things happen. And a five-minute wait is not the end of the world by you apologizing. Like I said, it's creating this sense of, oh, I didn't even know I was mad at her for not replying, but she's apologizing. So she obviously hasn't done her job properly. So I should be a bit annoyed, but you know, she's replied to me now, so I'll let it slide. But next time, if she takes even longer to reply, that's going to be even worse. It just see the sort of ripple effect that it makes. And I don't know if anyone else has experienced this, or maybe I'm just a chronic over-apologize I'm so bad for it. Like I will just, sorry, sorry. It's almost just like a, like an impulsivity. Like if something happens, sorry, but stop doing it. Stop, 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 stop. If someone asks you to do something, here's what I want you to do. Overestimate the time. I am a people pleaser and I'm sure many of you guys listening are as well. And if someone says, Hey, can you write me this letter? I'll be like, yeah, I'll do it tomorrow, knowing full well, I cannot do that tomorrow. And then it gets to like three days later. I'm like, Oh my goodness, I haven't done it. And then it creates this anxiety around doing it. Like, you know, when you've got a to-do list and you keep putting things off because you've built up this anxiety because it's like, Oh no, it's already late. And then I'm just worried about doing it. They're going to be annoyed. And then in five days time, you finally do it. You send it to them and you're apologizing. I'm so sorry. It took so long. I've been so busy, blah, blah, blah. If someone asks you for something and you're busy, overestimate. If you think it's going to take three days, tell them it's going to take a week. And that way, when you are giving them what they've asked for, when you're sending them that letter and it's taken less time than what you were estimated for, then they're going to be like, wow, she's so great. She's so efficient. (laughs) She got me that letter so quickly. You know what I mean? Like, is that, is that, I hope you're nodding along with me guys. I hope that makes sense. But just next time you start an email with I'm sorry. And don't get me wrong. I know there's going to be times where we need to apologize. I know there's going to be times maybe we've made a mistake or, you know, I'm not saying apologies are banned, but next time you write an email that starts with, I'm so sorry, or so sorry, whatever it is, however you apologize, whatever your lingo is, I want you to think, what are you apologizing for? What is it that you've done wrong that you need to apologize for? If it's day-to-day admin that took a minuscule amount of time more than what you told them, that's fine. Don't apologize. And I trust your judgment as well, but I think, like I said, that sense of urgency, we don't need that because when there's a sense of urgency, our whole day is heightened. You're in a session, you've got back-to-back sessions, and all you're thinking about is that urgent thing that you have to do in the afternoon. No one's made that urgent other than you. You're the reason it's urgent. You're the reason. I'm calling you out. So stop apologizing. That's point number one. Point number two, I want you to set boundaries, but I want you to verbalize that you've set boundaries. Now I'm going to give you an example. So if you've listened to the previous episodes, I recently started working for a company doing telehealth. I don't do much work for them, only two days a week at the moment. Um, but. I had a meeting with the owner of that company pretty early on and we sort of did like a personal growth meeting and it was like, what do you want? What are you, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? And I said, my weakness is I'm a yes person. And my weakness is I will overcommit and I will do too much. And I made that really, really clear. And I said to her, I was like, I will get to a point where I'll start doing things on my days off and I'll start doing things when I'm working for other companies. And I'll, you know, if there's an email, I'll reply to it when I'm not working. And I said, I really don't want that to happen. And that's something I would like to set in place. And she, being a great boss, and this is the key, you've got to surround yourself with good employers. She said, Great. No worries. And the other day I logged on to work early. So it's a telehealth company. So they see when you log in and I logged on to work half an hour early. And I looked on my calendar and there was a note to say, log off half an hour early, please. Like that's something that wouldn't have happened. And I naturally would have started working more if I hadn't verbalized that boundary. Whatever your boundary might be, it might that you be that you don't reply to emails after hours, which everyone should do. Do not reply to emails after hours, but Also, it happens. I know it happens. I'm very guilty for it. But if that's a a boundary you're setting, or maybe it's a you don't write reports on Fridays, like Fridays, or you don't see clients on Fridays, sorry, and Fridays is your admin day, whatever it might be, every workplace is so different. But if you verbalize those boundaries, people know about them. If you have these sort of internal boundaries that you want to stick to, but you don't really tell anyone about, then that is never going to be actioned by the people around you. Boundaries are your responsibility, but they're also the responsibility of your supervisors, your bosses, your admin, people that need to know what your preferences are. If you don't tell people your boundaries, they won't know. They're not going to know what is your preference when you want to switch off. And just saying this as well, boundaries that are obvious. You shouldn't have to verbalize them. Like boundaries like I'm not gonna work overtime and not get paid for it, that's an obvious one. If you have to verbalize that, maybe reconsider where you're working. Or things like I'm not going to write reports on weekends. Of course you're not gonna wrap up, wrap up <laughs> my gosh, Of course you're not going to write reports on weekends. And if that's an expectation, that's an issue. But all those little things, all those personal boundaries that you have, it might be that you don't see any kids after four o'clock. I know I wouldn't like to see any kids after four o'clock and all my employees know that because I don't work well after four o'clock. How can I expect the kids to work well after four o'clock? But all little things like that, preferences that you have that are going to make your workday flow and flow nicely, you have to verbalize them. And another thing you need to start verbalizing is when that stress sort of starts creeping in. So if you think of burnout the way we sort of think of like regulation and sensory processing. So if you think of that Coke bottle analogy that we've all probably seen and how we explain regulation, that Coke bottle shakes and that shakes and it shakes. And then before you know it, it gets to a point where the lid comes off and it explodes. That's what burnout is too. There is a lead up to it and we should, and I say should because there's been times where I haven't, but we should have that sort of awareness and that sort of understanding of ourself and our, our work ethics and our personal qualities to know when things are changing, to sort of know when that stress is starting to creep in. If you're verbalizing those little stresses, and it doesn't need to be a big show and dance, it could just be a passing comment like, oh, big week, feeling a bit overwhelmed, like, got a lot of admin to do like things that is natural in the job. But if you just are always like, yep, I'm good. Yep. I'm good. No worries. I'm fine. If you are always just acting cruisy, cruisy lemon squeezy, (laughs) that doesn't even rhyme. um, Then no one's going to know that you're on the road to burnout until one day you cannot come into work because you were so physically, mentally, emotionally drained. Like if you're working for a good company by you planting those seeds, they will pick up on it. Bosses, supervisors, they're they're trained to know and trained to pick up on people's changes, but they don't know those changes unless you start talking about them as well, which sort of leads me into my next point. So no swooshy sound here. We're going straight into the next point of have valuable supervision for those debriefs have valuable supervision to share with the people around you when you're creeping into those burnout stages now if you have supervision and this is particular for my new grads my early year therapists, if your supervision is hey do you need any help like any client problems Nope, all good no i'm sweet yeah sweet bye like if that's your supervision that's not valuable And I personally have had supervision like this in the past where I was in a really good place clinically and I was in a really good place with my caseload and everyone, I was on top of everyone and I didn't have any clinical questions, but I didn't realize that at that same time I was burnt out. I was burning out. Maybe I wasn't burnt out at that point, but like, but my supervision was purely clinical and that was the only supervision I was receiving If my supervision was more debriefy and more, you know, let's look at everything. Let's look holistically at your role. Let's look at how you are outside of work at the moment too, because that's relevant to your inside work life as well. If my supervision maybe looked at things a little bit deeper I think I would have prevented that burnout. I think I would have been able to even identify it in myself more because I would have had that opportunity to talk about how I was really going. And that's the sort of the way I sort of structure my supervision now that I offer for other people. And some people it's purely clinical at the moment because that's their goals and they're receiving uh, like mentoring elsewhere. But for those clients I have that uh, I'm their pure only supervisor, clinical stuff is probably like 30% of what we're talking about in our sessions. It's Let's check in with note-taking. Let's check in with report writing. Let's check in with your energy this week. How are you feeling? How is your vibe at your workplace? Obviously, these people aren't people I see in the workplace. They're external. And it's hard to sort of get that that impression. So I get them to explain that. Like, what's the vibe like? What's everyone else's managed like caseload management like? What's the sort of ripple effect on of that? Like, let's unpack everything that's happening in your workday beyond just clinical. When you have those debriefs of the positives as well, Like, let's talk about the good stuff as well, not just the bad stuff, because if you get good at highlighting wins and highlighting the positives in your workday, then you start to notice the negatives as well. If you're just sort of letting them all blend into another, then it's even harder to notice when things aren't quite right. So you've got to talk about the positives. You've got to talk about the negatives. You've got to talk about what was challenging this week, but you found the answer yourself. Like, let's, let's celebrate that. Let's celebrate that you didn't need a clinical supervisor in that moment, but that was probably stressful. There's so many things that go into our work days, and we're such resourceful problem solvers as OTs that we just problem solve ourselves all the time, but aren't identifying all of the things that are negatively, you know, contributing to that. That's what's going to be important. So have a consideration with your supervision. How does it feel? What are you getting out of it? Is it just clinical? And if it is just clinical, you'll get to a point where you don't need that clinical supervision. But as I've said, it's that second year of being OT that is the most prominent for burnout. It's that I'm not in that new grad bubble anymore. I can't fall back on this being my first year anymore. And all of a sudden the support disappears or the support is so trivial. So that's when it's really, really important. Now, the other main thing that I found was the biggest improvement in my mental health and my work well-being and how well I was doing as an OT was when I started to focus on myself outside of being an OT. Now, I've always lived a pretty fun life, like I've always had a life outside of OT, but it's so natural in those first, you know, first few months, first six months of being an OT that everything in your mind is just OT, 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 because it's so much to take in and it's so Normal, But if all you're thinking about all the time is being an OT, then you are going to burn out. No one is designed to think OT 24-7. No one's designed to think about their career 24-7 at all. I posted a while back about Instagram and I think the OT Instagram space at the moment is incredible and it's so, so valuable. If you're listening to this and you're not on Instagram, like I definitely think go and get on it and and build up a page, a list of pages, OT pages to follow. Like some of the resources out there, clinical resources, personal well-being resources that get posted every night is incredible. But if every single time you open your phone, and we live in such a digital society, if every single time you open your phone you are seeing something about OT. That is going to contribute to burnout. And I, when I posted a while ago, I said, if you're going to follow OT pages, make a second account, make an OT account. You do not have to post on that OT account. You do not have to even remotely have a presence on that OT account. But Instagram is so great that you can switch between profiles. I, as someone who is very uh, prevalent, prominent, that's not the word, uh prevalent maybe, like I'm frequently on social media. Is that what? I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Someone who looks at social media all the time and someone who's trying to build an OT social media presence. I am constantly using Instagram. I'm constantly on social media, but there will be days where I don't have energy I don't have any room in my OT cup. My OT cup is overflowing, but my holy cup, it's pretty empty. My holy cup wants to see what my friends and family are doing. Obviously I've moved away from my family and there are times where you just want to know what everyone's doing. You just want to sift through the stories of your friends on a Saturday night. And on a Sunday when I'm sifting through my Instagram stories, I don't want to see OT things popping up. So I have separate accounts. Obviously it's where most of you guys follow me on, but That is my power. I am choosing when I want to consume OT knowledge and when I don't. And that's really, really important. And it's building yourself outside of OT as well. It's building your your well-being. It's building your, your own personal development outside of OT. Majority of people who will be listening to this pod and majority of people who are in that new grad early year therapist are mid to late 20s early, mid, late twenties, like obviously there are mature age students and obviously there are people who are at different ages and that's totally fine. But if you think about all of the formative things that happen in your early, mid, late twenties, like this is a time of our lives. And if all you're doing is consuming yourself with OT, you're going to get burnt out. It's inevitable. So focus on the things you can do outside of OT and you will find yourself being a better OT than you ever were. And I don't mean that clinically, but I mean that wellbeing wise. And this is where it does get a little bit cliche. So I do apologize, but do that by, you know, joining a sports team. If you're into sport, join a club, join a gym, go to gym classes, exercise, go to markets, like surround yourself with people who are like-minded outside of OT. They could be OT friends too, but you've got to have that time where you don't even speak about OT. One of my best friends in the whole world, Beth, the speechy, who I've mentioned on this pod many times before, we lived together, we worked together, and we literally did everything together. Pretty much 24-7, we were together. And we were so good at, there was times where all we spoke about was OT and speech, and all we spoke about was work, because that was what was important at the time. But then we could go two, three days without even mentioning work. You've got to surround yourself with people who can diversify what consumes you, who can diversify your conversations. If you have work friends, that's wonderful. But if the only conversations you have with work friends is about work, then they're not people that you should spend all of your time with because you need to have time away from work. You need to have time outside of thinking like an OT, being an OT, talking about OT. So find your niche, find your separate areas and figure out what you can do to get out of OT. All right, I've done pretty well. That is a pretty quick episode. But my biggest take-home for you guys is stop apologizing. Stop apologizing and start prioritizing. Yes, that's the catchphrase. That's what the episode's gonna be called. Stop apologizing and start prioritizing. Prioritizing you. Stop prioritizing everyone around you. Stop being an empath to everyone around you. Be an empath to yourself. Put yourself first. Be selfish. You've got my permission to be selfish. I can be so selfish sometimes. I also can be incredibly empathetic and I can be incredibly compassionate, but I know when I need holy time. I know when I need to put myself first and that took time. There was times where I didn't and there was times where I wasn't selfish at all, but I know how and when to put myself first and that's a really, really crucial skill to learn. So selfish, think selfish doesn't need to be a bad thing. It's a good thing in the long run for sure. Now let's wrap this episode up. I need a fun fact. I haven't got a fun fact. I need to post in the Facebook group and get more fun facts. So I'm going to have a quick Google. The episode is paused. The recording is paused. I'll be back so soon. Hopefully I don't get distracted on TikTok because that's usually where I go for my fun facts. BRB. All right, I'm back with another extremely well-researched, well-supported, evidence-based fun fact, i.e. it was the first video that popped up on TikTok. But did you know Hot (laughs) Wheat, Hot Wheat? (laughs) hot water (laughs) freezes faster than cold water. Now I do not know if that is true, but TikTok doesn't lie. So I'm going to say we're good. I'm going to say it's true. So hot water freezes faster than cold water. If you know the science behind that, again, I cannot be bothered to research it. If you know the science behind that, please let me know, because that's pretty interesting. If you think about that theoretically, like why would it freeze faster? Anyway, Let's you ponder that while I wrap this episode up. Thank you so much for tuning in. I've got some really great episodes coming out in the next, I've got five coming out in the next five weeks consecutively, talking with a whole bunch of new grads, new grads that are in their first like eight months, some I think one is maybe like 18 months out. And we're just unpacking that journey from the people who are on the journey at the moment, because I know new grad job season is among us. I know there are so many people graduating in the next few months, which is an incredibly exciting time, but it's also an incredibly, vulnerable time. And I know a lot of people are anxious. So I'm here to share as many stories as I can to give you guys the best choice and the best ability to make a a good choice for the next step of your life. But that is all for this episode. Remember, stop apologizing. Remind yourself why you're apologizing. Try to figure it out. If you can't figure it out, you shouldn't be apologizing. And that is all I'm going to have for you guys today. So I'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much. Goodbye.